0: Hey guys, Daryl Watts here. Uh, Before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that a professional mental health personnel, psychologists, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. But other than that, thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. uh, Welcome back Uh, Another edition of Breaking Mental Health with Dural I am Dural So, today We're going to start a new week Oh, and I hope uh, all the mothers out there Had a lovely, lovely Mother's Day yesterday Um, But We're going to Smack it right into a new week Um, We're looking at Adult mental health this week. Now, as much as I do talk about adult mental health and the whole entire aspect of this podcast, we're going to actually be, you know, I'm still going to be doing pretty much the same thing. You know, um, still going to throw some numbers out there like I did in the first week with the children's uh, mental health, Um, throw a little bit of numbers out there and then. We're going to also talk about um, why Americans, are, um, you know, Americans are worried about money and how it's affecting their uh, mental health. So, and probably some other stuff too. But uh, stay tuned. I'll have all that for you in a hot second. So we take a look at the whole world today, pretty much in the United States, and we see that there are a lot of things that are not improving, um, which makes you know our mental health even more worse than what it's already added on to the issues at hand. So we're sitting here trying to figure out. What it is that is hurting our mental health There's, you know, plenty of things But we can't really pinpoint a lot of it Because we can't really speak for a lot of people You know But let's talk about myself For an instance You know, I suffer from Procrastination, bedtime procrastination. I, you know, have suffered from um, depression, anxiety. You know, I have many of these problems that is overhaul. And then you have world problems. You have world problems where, you know, a lot of things are going up in prices and, you know, minimum access to uh, health care. And that's already been shown when I uh, shared the stats from uh, the youth mental health back in the first week of uh, May uh without Shared those stats. It's amazing on how a lot of people—it's telling you to take care of your mental health, look after yourself. You know, um, it's not selfish to look out for yourself. But there are still millions and millions of problems that we cannot control. It's completely out of our control. So we have to sit here and do things, hobbies, whatever, that helps us, you know, maintain our mental health. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's cracking, but it ain't cracking. If anybody understands what I mean. If I don't, I'm going to break it down right now. It's more of... It's helping us, but it's not helping us. Right? It's helping us because it's maintaining our mental health. It's keeping us sane because we're doing things that we love. Rather, if it's playing a video game, listening to music, reading a book, um, going to exercise, taking a walk, or, you know, getting on a computer, uh, you know, studying, whatever. Whatever it is that you know helps your mental health, that helps. But then you got things that it's not working for us. The things that we cannot control. You know, prices and groceries, prices and in gas, inflation costs, um, <clears throat> um all this stuff, um interest rates when you buying a house, buying a car, That has gone up. Everything is shooting up because of what's going on elsewhere. And we're out of of control with that. It's something that we cannot do. So it's like, well, if it's something that you can't do, you feel like you can't control, that's why you have to have, you know, more than one income. Now, a lot of that is not easy for a lot of people. Okay. It's 100% not easy because, number one, the jobs that a lot of people are working to implement more than one income is already killing the hell out of them, mentally. A lot of people love their jobs, but that is not cutting. You know, you're putting in eight hours in one job, eight hours in another, or you're putting in eight hours in one job, four hours in another, or you're putting in ten hours in one job for one another you know that's pretty much the bulk of your day now if you look at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint means of one income or more than one income you know will have to come into play there'll be a lot of things that you can't do that that you can do that won't wear you down you know investments royalties um passive you know and Your business, you know, you can implement that and make it, you know, more than one income. That's, you know, it's still hard work, but it's more maintainable to try to help with all this inflation costs and all this stuff that's going up. And that's one way to help minimize that stuff. But when we're looking at people that, you know, still just want to, you know, work and maintain their life the way that it is. A lot of people enjoy that. If they want to do that, they are obligated to do it. But they shouldn't have to be obligated to work for minimum, and you know, um, work so hard for it. And at the end of the day, be worn out to do it. That's too many problems in one. So your own personal problems, and then your own stuff with. All of the world problems, I mean, come on people, we're like we're, we're stuck, like we are stuck in gear, we're trying to figure out how we can do this, how we can do that, and most of the time it's just not working. It's not one hundred percent working. most of us it is, most of us it is, so we have to take a, you know a real strong approach. On a lot of things. And a lot of people. I admire. A lot of these people. That are hustling. And still working. Their main jobs. Just to keep up. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be the first person. It's hard for me. To do an 8 hour job. 10 hour job. And then try to work on my side hustles. The podcast. The 3 podcasts. Out of the 4. That I do. That I literally have to put some on the back burner. And the other one, we have enough to where we can make content all the way up to maybe like a year or two. And that's cool. Where, you know, I'm just like, sometimes it could be overwhelming. And I feel the pain. I feel the frustration. I feel the stress. You know? And a lot of times, you know, when I. When I have people that are talking to me and they are, you know, telling me their problems, it's like, okay, what is the problem? You know, I'm the greatest listener that ever stepped foot. I'm, I'm not saying that I am the best, but I'm one of the best. I put it like that, you know. And you talk to them and you're figuring out what's going on. It's like I may not be, you know, a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist anything of the sort but I'm a good listener 100% you know talk to me you know I don't ask a lot for a lot of people you know if if something is going on let me be the listening ear you know I can't stress, I can't stress that enough you know it's nothing to really be ashamed of We're all human. We're all trying to live. And, you know, I'm suffering the same problems as pretty much everybody else. You know? And that's why I always give out my stuff. You know, follow me. Message me. Email me. You know? You know, there's very few small, maybe except family. Um, Darren. Mom, Nicole, dad, aunts, uncles, grandmother, Sierra, you know, they have my number and can text me. You know, I got friends, you know, buddies at the job that would like to seek out advice from me from podcasting. Hey, text me. No problem. You know, talk to me. A lot of people are stressed out. Talk to me. Talk to me. You know, everybody's going to need that friend that they can lean on. Right? So, give that self an opportunity and see where it goes. Be open-minded about it. Right? So, there's only a few numbers here from the 2015 season. Uh, report and it's only have a few number of stats on here and I'm telling you there's not a lot on here it's more of parity versus disparity in this uh, report and the rankings among mental health I am really just interested in the numbers aspect because those numbers don't lie right? the numbers don't lie and I'm looking at all of that and, you know, like I say, I always have the link in the description. It's there. So if you want to look at more than just that, you're more than welcome to. But I'm just looking at the numbers because the numbers are important to me. So if anybody just want to listen to the numbers, have at it. If you want to click the link and read it. Whatever on your own time, by all means, do it. But let's take a look at these few numbers here real quick. Um, So adult insurance and access to care. Uh, 8.1 million, which is 3.9% of adults in America, have a mental illness and are uninsured. Uh, Only 41.4% of individuals with any mental illness report receiving treatment. And one in five adults with AMI reported they did not get the mental health services they felt they needed. Right. No surprise to the fact that that is what it is. It's no surprise. Access quality and network adequacy. One out of three children with ongoing EBD have insurance that is inadequate. Uh, One out of three adults with disability could not see a doctor because of cost. One is 790 nationally. There is only one middle health provider for every 790 individuals. Once again, we talk about in the youth, we talked about you know, one mental health provider per X amount of every individual. And those numbers are not good. That just shows the shortage of workforce in that uh, industry. So this is not surprising at this point. And this is 2015. I'm not surprised about it. Um, 19.6% of uh, the national 180-day readmission rate. Non-forensic is 19.6%, which indicates a significant lack of available community-based services. There you go. And 70% of those who receive mental health services report that they they have improved social connectedness. See? 70% because they have received mental health services. They have reported that they have improved social connectedness. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Some people progress slowly. Some people progress fast. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everybody should be cut out of the services. Everybody deserves something, right? Everybody deserves something. So, it just it just pretty much amazes me on what the the bigger picture that is looking at for everybody, that nobody cares, and we're going to look into here in a minute, um, more Americans are so worried about money, it's hurting their mental health, we'll look into all of that here in a hot minute, and I know that a lot of people are suffering in that aspect, and we're going to read an article about that from NBC, um, Let me just say this, that a lot of people will always try to look for some kind of solution. And solutions are the best things that can ever happen to people. And sometimes they have to go without a solution or they have to go without closure. You know, focus on what you can see. And what you can understand. And if you focus on what you can see. And what you can understand. I will believe. That. Most of. The problems that you're dealing with. Will be pretty much. What can I say. Um, even slated. To say the least. Because. You're actually trying to find something that you know that you're so desperately desperately need. But if you kind of just pushed it off and let it come naturally, and even though that you're never going to get that accurate answer or the accurate solution or the accurate closure, you can think about these things as you're thinking okay, well, this could be one theory. This could be one theory. And then read in between the lines. And then read in between the lines. And we all know right now, right, that mental health access is pretty bad. And a lot of people, a lot of, you know, people in the United States are really trying to end Obamacare. They're trying to end it. And a lot of people thought it was the best mental health, you know, health care in the world. You know? So it's like, think about, you know, think about your family. Think about your friends. For everybody that decides that they want to try to close this in the Obamacare, rather if you want to make your own or, you know, um, Reconstruct it. Just quit touching shit. You know, people want access. People need access. Rather they believe in it or not. They're trying to get access to it. So quit touching shit. Just stop. Because it's not helping yourself. And it's not helping nobody else. Because all you're really thinking about at this point is greed. You're thinking about money. So, we have to just... Put this to an end, and we have to speak up for what's right, and that is to continue health care services. More Americans are so worried about money, it's hurting their mental health. A mental health distress can manifest in many ways, including feelings of anxiety, stress, worried thoughts, difficulty sleeping, and depression. Worries about money are taking a toll on Americans, leading to some negative impacts on their mental health. That's according to a new survey for the Financial Information from uh I'm sorry, Financial Information Group Bankrate. The survey found 52% of respondents listed money as the thing that takes the biggest toll on their mental health, compared with 42% who blamed worries about their own mental what uh, about I'm sorry about their own health and 41% who listed current events as their top concern. The latest finding compares with 42% of US adults who said money was the top concern last year. Mental health distress can manifest in many ways. For the bank rate survey that definition includes feelings of anxieties, stress, worried, thoughts, difficult sleeping depression. I read that in the subtitle. Uh, the results come ahead of Wednesday's inflation report, which is predicted to show year-on-year price increases dated 5% for the second consecutive month through April. Still, some analysis say the inflation rate is likely to come in ahead of that figure given recent increases in used car prices and ongoing wage hikes. Pretty much said that. That money-induced stress is also unfolding at a time when more American adults are confronting financial disaster, including upticks in car repossessions and home foreclosures. Within the money category and bank rates survey, concerns about inflation ranked the most stress inducing, with 68% naming high prices as the biggest worry. As many as 60% of the people who responded said they were concerned about paying for everyday expenses, while 56% said lacking emergency funds has them on edge. Uh, Ted Roseman, Bankrate Senior industry Analyst, said there are several sobering statistics in this report with inflation at the center of many of these money worries. Despite a strong job market, wage growth has not kept pace with the rising cost of living debt has been rising and savings has been dwindling. End quote. The frequency of concerns about money has also increased. with 56% of people with money concerns saying the worries happen at least once a week. Up from 52% last year who said the same. And 29% of those who say money has a negative impact on their mental health say they worry about money daily. Bank said. The survey found also found important demographic differences in the rates of concern, namely that 61% of women said inflation and rising prices had the biggest negative impact on their mental health, compared with 51% of men saying so. Overall, 73% of women named economic factors as the top driver affecting their own mental health, compared with 66% of men. And among generations, the survey found 60% of Gen Xers Age forty-three to fifty-eight said money was negatively impacting their mental health, compared to fifty-five percent with the millennials, ages twenty-seven to forty-two. Fifty-two uh, percent of Gen Z, ages eighteen to twenty-six, and forty-five percent of baby boomers, ages fifty-nine to seventy-seven. Lizzie Brian Potvin, a financial therapist interviewed by Bankrate, said Gen X find themselves as the sandwich generation where they may be supporting multiple dependents. She said they're at this double whammy disadvantage of not just caring for themselves but also caring for children and their aging parents and getting toward the later half of their earning years. So of course they're expecting higher rates of financial anxiety. So, Rob Weil uh, he's a breaking news reporter from NBC News Digital. Uh, he put this article together and this was from May 9th this year uh, Tuesday. Yeah Tuesday. So let me let me throw a couple things out here real quick. First things first. This article painted everything, so now I'm going to. I'm just going to say for my aspect on what I'm feeling when this uh, title is entitled "More Americans Are So Worried About Money It's Hurting Their Mental Health." I'm going to deepen my so. With mines, I am. My tipping point of of all of this is when my car got repoed. And now, my biggest goal with me when it comes to money is just to live comfortably. Not trying to be rich, not trying to be a billionaire, none of that. If it happens to be, then it happens to be. That means I actually opened up my mind and got out of my comfort zone way more than I needed to, which is totally fine. But my goal is to be comfortable and living well to where I can be able to actually afford things, right? That's the goal. So when my tipping point came, when my car got repoed, and that was totally my fault. I had taken the wrong advice from the wrong person and I've actually shouldn't have done it but when I let my mind go into an open mind mode that was something that I was not open-minded about that open-minded should have just closed the gates on this stuff because I'm telling you if I would have not taken that direction I truly believe I still could have had my car I'm just being 100% honest. I would have had my car and I have suffered and I still do to this day suffer from mental health, like not mental health, but depression and a little bit of anxiety because I don't have a car. And that at times I have to rely on dare, you know, to use this car go to where I need to go to, to where I could actually, could have had my own car, I could have had my own materials and started working a lot on my businesses that I should have been working on, which I still am, no big deal, but, you know, most of it just requires me to have a car, and, you know, that's what kind of hurts me. So I've been working on trying to, you know, get a car again, but when my job got into dissolvement, that's when it kind of hurt to where, like, I didn't necessarily have to throw it to the back burner, but that kind of just moved my goals back one to where I have to focus on moving the bigger priorities up to the front. Which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I'm still looking forward to it. I have absolutely nothing, you know, in regards to, you know, I wish this would have happened instead of this. Um, I'm happy that the job got dissolved. I'm happy that uh, embezzlement came into play. Because if it wasn't for embezzlement, I would have probably still been on day-to-day operations trying to figure out a way out. And would have actually would have um, dealt with that better? Not exactly, because it just would have taken a lot of opportunities away. Believe it or not. And I am, you know, totally prepared and ready for making a lot of these things happen. So that was my tipping point. And. I have, you know, when I suffered these depressions, I have suffered procrastination. I have suffered bedtime procrastination. And I'm going to get into, I've talked about procrastination, I think it was last year, on last year's podcast, you can check that out. But now... I'm going to go in deeper into procrastination, bedtime procrastination, you know, and one of the things that a lot of people don't understand that when it comes to, um, you know, living daily, working and doing the same on normal routine, a lot of people will come out and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm just too tired to actually you know doing another business, I'm tired, you know I'm getting lazy and stuff like that. The problem with this the problem with this problem that you're saying right now is that's not 100% the case at all. That is not the case. You have spent so much the years of your life trying to survive. And when you're fighting to survive, you're gonna get drained. Your depression's gonna kick in. Your anxiety's gonna kick in. You know, because you're trying to find a way to survive. So sometimes if we can kick the living crap out of the anxieties and the depressions and the drainingness, body going down, being tired. And we can actually focus on the things that we really dream of doing. Then we'll be okay. We'll be okay. And it could get hard. I'm going to tell you. I'll get up at 4.30 in the morning. Okay. I will get up at 4.30 in the morning. And I'll either do a recording. For this podcast. Or... I am actually making edits for my podcast. And this was around the time when um, I was involved with Magic Mind. And that really took a toll on me. And I really messed that up because I didn't actually stick to the schedule. Because I was too busy with the job that I am now. And... I really wish I could have a do-over but at the same time this is a lesson for me to actually still stick with everything regardless to how you're feeling you gotta let it stick regardless and you know we're human we're human we're not you know going to be perfect we're not going to actually go and do a lot of things that's necessary and then that was also the same time That I was getting involved with a book publisher. About a book that they did. On the creation of a new technique or exercise. And I was supposed to interview them. I blew that one. I straight up blew it. You know there was a lot of good things that was coming for me. And I blew it. I totally blew it. I didn't blow it on purpose. But I literally had been too focused on the job to where I just let it slip. I just forgot about it. Do I feel bad about it? Yes, absolutely I do. I feel terrible. But at the same time, I'm hoping that, you know, I can get better opportunities now. You know, because I'm coming to the end. Believe it or not, I'm I'm really coming to an end. And I am very, so very ready, you know, to let it happen. Because I know that the first time I messed this up, the second time I'm going to do my best to, you know, let it all just be. Because I have one less thing to worry about. And I know a lot of people are thinking like, well, are you even worried about money about this, at this point? I am. I absolutely am. Because once I'm out of a job, I'm going to be out of money. Unless, you know, because God knows what will happen to unemployment and all of that. So the worst case scenario, you have to think about money. And that is the one thing that, you know, I am worried about. Am I going to panic and have um, different uh, um, depressions and anxiety attacks? No, I'm not. I'm not. Or at least I'm going to try not to. Because if I let myself panic, then I'm going to break myself down and then that's the end of it. And I can't allow myself for that to happen in any circumstances. So money is something that I am worried about. A car is something that I am worried about. I need those two things. I need them. They're important. And a car is standing for money-making opportunities. Rather, if you want to look at that that way or not, but I look at it as a money-making opportunity. Anything, a car, SUV, box truck, the money-making opportunities. And you're like, okay, so how are they money money-making opportunities? If you just have a regular four Four door uh sedan. What are you gonna do with that? Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats, DoorDash, um, Instacart. If they're still around, I'm pretty sure they are. But that's money on money. Like that's money making opportunities with a four door sedan. You have an SUV. What are you gonna do with those? You can actually carry different things in that car, in that mini SUV, and make a business out of it, or carry it to a business venture. You can do that, but you can still also do Uber, Uber Eats, Lyft, DoorDash. You have options, and that opportunity just grows. That's why it's important for me to have money in the car you know I don't normally like to spill out a lot of my problems because you know I just like to be able to fight these problems I still have you know Darren to confide in which is cool you know but being able to come on here and still talk about it and being able to pinpoint other people's problems that I don't know nothing about and I could just actually come up with something. You know, makes me feel a lot better. But sometimes, you know, me talking out my own personal problems help myself. And you know, these is this is what us us adults, if anybody that adults listen to this podcast, this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're going through. Somebody could have a car trouble or don't have a car at all. Somebody could have no house. They could be homeless. Or, um, you know, living from house to house. You know, somebody could be actually out of a job right now. Somebody could actually be out of a car right now. Somebody could actually be, you know, um, one paycheck away from the streets. Somebody could actually be, you know, something. You know, and believe it or not, I am actually getting close to one paycheck away for being out of a job. and I'm okay with that I am totally okay with that but you know I hope that you know me sharing my problems helps you understand that you're not the only one you know only you can probably come up with solutions you can always ask for help with different solutions you know with financial troubles with you know relationship troubles of anything, you know, anybody and everybody have these problems. And money is the big forefront to it. And this article had proved it. That's all I have, y'all. I appreciate everyone's time. I appreciate everyone listening to me. Um, Join me tomorrow. um, Adults Mental Health 2016. So join me there. Um, I'll probably have different other stuff, too, that I want to talk about. Um, I'm going to look into all that. So uh, join me tomorrow. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at Love University, and Instagram, at Love University. Or... And, you could do, email me at breakingmiddleage at gmail.com. We can rap, we can talk, express, share our feelings, whatever. Email me. But until then, stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you're one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go.